Good evening, and welcome to the Revelation Power Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Hopkins, and this evening we are in John chapter 3, in our journey through the Gospel of John. In the last episode, we looked at the very last short paragraph, I think it's about three verses, at the end of chapter 2, that defines um, the problem in the money changers and sets the stage for the trouble with Nicodemus. The money changers, you'll remember I said, paid attention only to the dollars and cents. There's no supernatural awe in them, in the worship of God. Nicodemus is also missing the supernatural, but not in favor of dollars and cents, in favor of the law. Listen to what the scripture says, John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a prominent religious leader among the Jews named Nicodemus, who was part of the sect called the Pharisees. One night he discreetly came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one performs the miracle signs that you do unless God's power is with him. Jesus answered, Nicodemus, listen to this eternal truth. Before a person can even perceive God's kingdom, they must first experience a rebirth. Confused, Nicodemus said, Rebirth? But how can a gray-haired old man like me be reborn? It's impossible for anyone to go back into the womb a second time and be reborn. Jesus answered, I'm telling you an eternal truth. Unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you will never enter God's kingdom. For the natural realm only gives birth to things that are natural. But the spiritual realm, the supernatural realm, gives birth to supernatural life. You shouldn't be amazed by my statement. You all must be born from above. For the, the Ruach, the spirit wind of God, blows as it chooses. You can hear its sound, but you don't know where it came from or where it's going. So it is the same with those who are born of the Spirit. Nicodemus replied, I don't understand what you mean. How does this happen? Jesus answered, Nicodemus, aren't you one of the most highly respected teachers in Israel? And yet you don't understand this revelation? I speak eternal truths about things I know, things I've seen and experienced, and still you don't accept what I reveal? If you're unable to believe what I've told you about the natural realm, what will you do when I begin to unveil the supernatural heavenly realm? No one has seen into the heavenly realm except the Son of Man, who also exists in heaven. And just as Moses in the desert lifted up the brass replica of a venomous snake on a pole for all the people to see and be healed, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that those who truly believe in him will not perish, but will be given eternal life. For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique Son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but have 
eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to judge and condemn it, but to be its savior and to rescue it. So now there is no longer any condemnation for those who believe in him, but the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because he does not believe in the name of the one and only son of God. And here is the basis for their judgment. The light of God has come into the world. But the people love darkness more than the light because they want the darkness to conceal their sin, their evil. So the wicked hate the light and try to hide from it, for the light fully exposes their lives. But those who love the truth will come into the light, for the light will reveal that it was God who produced their fruitful works. It's a big section. It's more than one paragraph, that's for sure. But Nicodemus is the one who sets the stage for the most central passage in New Testament scripture. John 3.16. It's Jesus' answer to Nicodemus. And so it's a lot to unpack. I'll try to do it in this one episode. But if we can't, I'm not afraid to extend it into another. Nicodemus comes to Jesus. He is a prominent religious leader of the Jews. Prominent religious leader among the Jews. The people all know him. They respect him. And he sits with the Pharisees in the council of the Sanhedrin. He's a leader. Respected among his peers. Probably chosen by them to, to run this errand to talk to Jesus. And he comes at night. In John, in the Gospel of John, light is always an important theme. And you're supposed to be able to kind of look at it and know what's going on. Jesus is going to bring it clear at the at the end of this section. But, but pay attention to the fact that Nicodemus sneaks in to see Jesus at night. He doesn't want to be seen inquiring of Jesus. And the people that he comes from, the Pharisees, don't want the people to know that they're not sure about Jesus and that they're questioning him about who he is. But listen to what Nicodemus says. They don't have many questions. They've got most of this right, right now. Nicodemus calls him rabbi. Nicodemus is an authority in the law. He's like a politician, an author, a, a, a politician, a lawyer, and a priest, all tied up in one person. He speaks for the council. He's he's right next to the high priest. He's an expert in the law. He's an expert in politics and the workings of the society. And he calls Jesus rabbi. I said a couple of of episodes ago, you don't call a guy doctor unless he's done the work to be a doctor. They didn't call a person rabbi unless he had done the training, been to yeshiva school, sat at the feet of another rabbi, apprenticed to a rabbi, and now was of age to be calling his own disciples. 
It was a term they used amongst themselves. And so at this point, Jesus is one of the one of the accepted. He's their fair-haired boy. Now he's doing some weird things, but he's got them all wondering if he might be the Messiah. And listen to what Nicodemus says. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs that you do unless God was with him. Wow. He doesn't say, I know this. He says, we know. He is representing the Pharisees, the council, the big J Jews. We know that you've come from God. He calls him teacher. He calls him rabbi and and is inquiring so that he might learn from Jesus what in the world is going on here. And Jesus uses his name. Jesus knows who he is. Jesus may have even learned from him. He says, Nicodemus, let me share with you an eternal truth. I think in the King James, it probably says, verily I say unto you. But the, the Greek phrase means, let me share with you the eternal truth. Before a person can even perceive God's kingdom, they must experience a rebirth. Now you and I understand he's talking about a supernatural act of God. But for Nicodemus, it's all about the law. He's a, he's a student and a teacher of the law. He's an expert in the law. To Nicodemus, the faith, the religion has become just that. It's a religion. There's no faith involved in it. You have to keep the law. You don't believe anything. You do what you're supposed to do. You keep the law. And that's how you please God. Jesus says, my friend, you're missing the biggest piece, the supernatural relationship that God wants to have with his people. It's not just about what you do. It's so supernatural. It's like being reborn. New eyes, new heart, new mind, new outlook and perspective on the whole thing. Unless you have that, you'll never even perceive God's kingdom. Nicodemus wants to know. And he says, Teacher, rebirth? How can an old gray-haired man like me be reborn? It's impossible to crawl back into the womb and pop out a second time. See, Nicodemus doesn't understand that Jesus is talking about the supernatural. Now, this, this device is something that John uses constantly throughout his gospel. He's even going to use it in the book of Revelation. Jesus says something, or God says something, or the Word says something, and the person to whom it's said doesn't get it. You're going to get tired of me bringing this to light as we go through the gospel. It's a device that John uses constantly. And so... 
the Johannine confusion. Nicodemus doesn't get it. John portrays all of these people as a little bit thick, a little bit slow, probably because they were. Wait, I'm an old man, Jesus. I, I can't go back and crawl back up into the womb and be born again. It's impossible. And again, in the King James, it probably says, Nicodemus, verily I say unto you. In the New King James, it probably says, truly, truly I say to you. Nicodemus, let me once again try to help you understand this eternal truth. Unless you are reborn of the water and the spirit. So the first birth, the physical birth is water. The supernatural birth is done by the spirit. Unless you're born naturally and supernaturally, you will never enter God's kingdom without an understanding of the supernatural nature of this kingdom of God. You can't get in because you don't see it. You don't know it. You don't experience it. You don't even grasp the the basic idea of it. It's a supernatural kingdom. It's not an earthly kingdom. The Messiah isn't coming to do war against the Romans. This nation is never going to defeat Rome. It's not about politics. It's not about money. It's not about ruling councils and church structures. It's about the supernatural, Nicodemus. You've been born of water, but until you're born also of the Spirit, until God does a supernatural work in you, you're not there. For the natural realm can only birth things that are natural. It's the spiritual supernatural realm that gives birth to supernatural life. You shouldn't be amazed by my statement that all of you must be born from above. I mean, you're the teacher of Israel. You understand the Ruach, the breath of God, the breath of life that he breathed into the, into the lungs of the living creatures in, in Genesis chapter 1. The breath that he breathes into the lungs of the man in the first chapter of the Bible. The second chapter of the Bible explicitly. It's that, it's that breath, that wind that keeps us alive. And you teach that. That's Jewish theology. That wind blows where it pleases. You can hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. Job, right? It's the same with those who are spirit-born. They are motivated by what you can't see, by what you can't touch, hold, smell, feel, taste. Or see, it just it just comes, the spirit, the supernatural. Nicodemus is frustrated. He says, Jesus, I don't understand. What do you mean? How does the supernatural thing happen? I want you to hear Jesus not judgmental, not as a bomb thrower here, but as compassionate and sad, as, as taking pity on Nicodemus. He calls him by name Nicodemus. Are you not the most respected teacher in Israel? 
but you don't understand how God works in people's lives? I speak eternal truths about things I know, things I've seen and experienced, and still you're not willing or ready to accept the things I'm talking about because you don't have a supernatural experience with God. You are who you are because you trained to be this. You went through it mechanically. It's a utility to you. It's it's a process that anyone could do given the opportunity. But that's not a relationship with God. I told you about if you if you if you struggle to believe what I've just told you about the natural realm, how in the world will you understand when I begin to unveil the supernatural realm, the heavenly realm. No one has risen into the heavenly realm except the Son of Man who also exists in heaven at this moment. Wow, he just told Nicodemus, in this moment I exist here and in heaven at the same time. I can tell you about the way things are in heaven because I'm there right now, the same time I'm here. I can show you. Just as Moses in the desert lifted up a brass replica of a venomous snake on a pole for all the people to see and be healed, so the Son of Man is ready right now to be lifted up, so that those who truly believe in Him will not perish, but be given eternal life. I'm not going to trust myself to those people in Jerusalem. I'm not going to trust myself to your religious structure. I'm not going to be your fair-haired boy for you to make a political picture of and say, everybody listen to Jesus. I'm going to be lifted up like the healing symbol of the snake on a pole. And all who set their eyes on me will be healed just like those people were. They're not going to perish they're going to get eternal life, but I will not be lifted up by the people or by the structure or by the politicians or by the church. I'll be lifted up by God. That's the way God loves the world. So intensely that he would give his only son, the only one he would ever have, he would give him as a gift, as a redemption, like that snake on the pole. He would raise him up so that anyone who believes in him, anyone who would ever come to believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God, listen to this, verse 17. We always quote John 3:16. We leave out 17 and we shouldn't. For God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn it. Nicodemus, I'm not here to bring to to bear all the law on everybody. I'm not here to bring God's judgment down upon the Romans. God did not send his son into the world to judge it. Oh, how I wish Christian people in 2023 would hear this. God did not send his son into the world to judge it. If he didn't send Jesus for that purpose, my friend, He didn't send you and me to be the judge of this world. 
didn't send his son into the world to judge it, but to rescue it. But to rescue it. In a little bit, he's going to talk to his disciples. He's going to say, fellas, let me tell you how God is. He's like that shepherd that if he had a hundred sheep and he lost one, he would leave the 99 in danger of wolves and thieves to go search for the one that he knows is in danger in that moment. That's what he's talking about here. God did not send his son into the world to judge it or condemn it, but to save it and rescue it so that there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So that there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Their judgment has been had. You see, the moment you became a Christian, you confessed your sin, right? Every Christian organization on the face of the earth has this this same formula. Confess and believe. Confess your sin and accept Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. It's not a wrong formula. Because when we confess our sin, our judgment can be had at that moment. Our condemnation is over. We've confessed. There's no reason to to continue to try us, to continue to indict us, to continue to to cross-examine us. We confessed. And when the guilty confesses, the verdict can be had. The trial is over. When we confess our sins, the Bible says, I'm not making this up. The Bible says when you and I confess our sins, he is righteous and just, which means we should be condemned. He is righteous and just and will forgive our sins. Will forgive our sins. Our judgment gets had right then. The moment you came to Jesus Christ, your eternal judgment was had. You were found not guilty, even though you deserve to be. Christ, who paid the price for you on the cross, took that sin away from you and said, I'll take that. You will now be redeemed. Though you were worthless and sinful, you will now be credited with the righteousness of God. Your judgment has been had. You are now saved, not for this moment, not for fire insurance, eternally saved and given the birthright of a child of God. Shout me down if I'm not telling the truth here. That's what happens in the moment you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Your judgment is had. You don't have to go before the great white throne in the end. Your judgment has already been had. Your eternal life starts that moment and goes on forever after that. You are now an eternal citizen. You have become a part of God's kingdom on this earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You've become part of that prayer becoming actuality in this world. That prayer of Christ becoming reality. Because now you, 
an eternal citizen are standing on earth at the same time. Hello? I don't know where you are, but if you're riding in your car, you should pull over and shout and holler for a little bit. Don't close your eyes and shout and holler while you're driving. If you're sitting in your house, you should be praising the Lord right now. Your judgment has been had. You've been found not guilty. You've been given the rights and the privileges of a child of God. Chapter 1. Children born not of a husband's will or a parent's decision, but born of God. Eternal children of God. Born supernaturally. That's what he's trying to tell Nicodemus. But the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because they don't believe in the name of the only Son of God. And so this will be the basis for their judgment. Wow. Jesus is spelling it all out for Nicodemus right up front. It's a supernatural work. And unless it happens in your life, you can't be part of the kingdom. When it does happen in your life, you are truly a son of God. You are truly a child of the king. You are the true Israel then. When his supernatural power forgives you and works in your heart to save you. The unbelievers, those who don't see the supernatural, they already stand condemned. And here's the basis for their judgment. The light of God has come into the world. But they love darkness more than the light because their deeds were evil and they wanted the darkness to conceal them. So the wicked hate the light and try to hide from it. For the light fully exposes their lives. But those who love the truth walk straight out into the light. They don't fear it at all. Are their deeds just as evil as the other guys? Yep. But they love the truth more than their evil. They long for God more than they long to continue to do evil. So even understanding that they are sinful and broken and lost, they walk straight out into the light, knowing that if they have any hope in this world, it's with God and not with evil. If they're, if they're to have any hope at all, it must be in the light. And they walk right under the light. And the light reveals that it was God who did any good they ever did. It was God who produced fruit in them that led to their righteousness. It was God who makes anything redeemable in their life happen. Jesus is not judging Nicodemus. He's saying, Nicodemus, there's good things in your life. You didn't do those things. You understand that you went to school and you studied and, and you teach and you've, you've achieved all of this stature in Israel. You didn't do that yourself. God has done that in you. You, my friend, can be free to walk out into God's light and enjoy his redemption and salvation and rescue eternally. Because everything you've done of any good to this point was from God anyway. 
then the episode with Nicodemus ends. The next verse says, Then Jesus and his disciples left for quite some time. They didn't come back. But Nicodemus is going to come back. Nicodemus is going to come back after Jesus is crucified, and he's going to pay for the materials with which they embalm him. He's going to provide for everything they need for Jesus to be prepared for burial. Nicodemus loves this guy. And Jesus loves Nicodemus. He has entrusted Nicodemus with the truth. The previous paragraph said he wouldn't entrust himself to the people because he knew their hearts. But Jesus trusts Nicodemus's heart enough to entrust him with the whole truth about himself. He doesn't pull any punches. Nicodemus, I came from God. I have seen what goes on in heaven. I know what goes on here because at this moment I stand in both places at the same time. That's the truth about me. Yes, I am the one who's come from God. And unless people believe in that supernatural truth, I can't help them. In fact, Nicodemus, unless people reconnect with the supernatural truth of God, no one can help them. Wow. I want you to look at the church around us today. How much does your church believe, really believe, in the supernatural power of God? I promise you, your church believes in the political structure of the church. I promise you, your church believes in the dogma and the structure of its denomination, even those that hide their denomination. I'll promise you that if your church doesn't belong to a denomination, they have by and large adopted the dogma and structures of somebody else's denomination, and they believe in those things. I'll just about promise you, well, I'll promise you, it's not going to be true 100% of the time, but 99.9% of the time, that somewhere your pastor can lay his hands on a statement of faith for our church. These, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, are the things that we believe. And they are written on paper. And though they talk about supernatural things, they are not the supernatural kingdom of God. They are dogma. When your church lives its life out, does it depend on the supernatural power of God? Will your church step out and do anything by faith in the supernatural God, or do they have to save up the money to a certain extent before they'll even step out and get anything done? Does your church preach healing and pray fervently for it? Does your church preach that God still moves in the hearts and lives of men and women for salvation, and does it offer it to them constantly? Do people know that if they feel the need to be rescued, they can come to your church 
and find that there. That you can, at the end of the service, say, I need help. And people will come and help you, not just ask you to join their church. Do people understand that your church is the doctor's office for God? That your church is the healing station. It's the lifeguard station on the beach where if they're drowning, someone is committed to swimming out to them and trying to take them back to the shore. Or do people understand that at your church, they're gonna have to dress a certain way or talk a certain way or, or be a certain kind of person or have a certain kind of job or they're not really gonna fit in. They're not really gonna be acceptable. Let's make it a little more personal. Do people know that if they're in trouble, they can come to you and say, I'm really struggling. Can you help me? Will you pray for me? Will you ask your supernatural God to take a hold of me and save me from drowning? Do they know that you're that person? We're not any of us perfect. And I understand that that's not who we always get to be. Because there are people who take advantage and there are people who steal and people who who don't live like they should to us and don't allow us to be the lifeguard and the redeemer and the and the and the voice of hope that we want to be. I get that. Oh, do I get that? I'm not asking if it's perfect in your world and that you always perfectly get to be this person. I'm asking in your heart, is that who you are? Because I believe in most of your hearts, that is who you are and want to be. I want you to stop letting people disallow you from being that. I want you to not be afraid to walk out into the light and say, look, my life has been far from perfect. I, the chief of sinners, am, but Jesus died for me. And you, and if he can save my rotten hide, he can save yours. If he can put up with my, my sin and my loss and my, my stupidity, yours is not a challenge, my brother. Yours is not worse, my sister. God saved me. He'll save you. And, and if I can be any part of that, if I can help in some way, I'm here. And if you take advantage of me, that's going to be on you. I won't judge you. You'll have to live with that. But I'll do whatever I can. That would be a church. That would be the body of Christ at work in this world. That would be the supernatural at work within us. And that's 
what Jesus came to accomplish. Not to judge, not to condemn, but to bring the supernatural power of God to bear on our lives in this world. He, he stood on this earth while he was still in heaven, in both places at the same time, so that you and I could become the righteousness of God and be in that same position, citizens of heaven, while standing on this earth. I want you to turn this off and just pray for a few moments. Father, help me see the supernatural power of God in my life, in my world, at my workplace, in my home, in my friend circle. And remind me to be a voice that the supernatural God lives and the supernatural God loves and the supernatural God is working on our behalf right now. Help me understand I'm a citizen of heaven living on this earth and help me to be that person.